Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Great to see you. Great to see you. Well, for those that I haven't had a chance to meet, uh, my name's Andrew, and uh, along with my wife, we have the privilege of pastoring this amazing church. And it's been, when you start something from scratch like we have, it's literally like seeing those early stages of a baby being born, those stages as it grows. And so we're delighted um, to have you all as our guests today and those also that call City Lights their family. Now, I love church and I grew up in church. Uh, my parents were pastors and missionaries. One of my earliest memories is being in the lounge room of uh, a church plant that kind of started a little bit like this one in a lounge room. And uh, I was one of my roles there unofficial role, un unpaid uh, role, also I was two years old. Um, I was the Atmos pastor, so I used to provide entertainment for those that came um, with wooden spoons and drums and uh, all that kind of stuff. And so I've grown up in church my whole life, which means I've got a unique skill set. I'm very good at chairs. If you want chairs moved, I'm, I'm your man. I'm also quite good at clapping. I know those things are a little bit unusual to people who grew up in church life, uh, but that's good. I mean, I remember one time when I worked in uh, sales and marketing, there was a guy that didn't really like me very much, and he used to call me a happy clapper, and that was an insult. But I actually said, you know what, that's, that's quite true. I am happy, and I'm good at clapping. And so uh, it was something that I kind of wore with pride. Now, I love church, and you probably think that that makes sense because I'm a pastor. It would be a little bit odd if I didn't like church and I was a pastor. Not impossible, but probably odd. But there's something that you should know about my love of church. Me loving church doesn't mean that it's always gone great for me in church. If you've been church around church for a while, who knows? that there's an issue with, with church, and that is people. That's kind of a fundamental problem with church. People. When, when people get close to people, sometimes there is pain. And for me being in church, in my time in church, I have received pain, unfortunately, probably. For some people around me, I've also been a source of pain. That's just how it is. But despite that, I love church. Now, because I love church, I am really, really interested in a couple of things. What makes church, church? Like, what makes it uniquely church? Church is not like any other organization, okay? Church is, uh, I've worked in a number of com companies. My first job was with McDonald's. Uh, then when I was at university, I worked in a leather factory, uh, that was a little bit uh, unusual, like an old leather factory, kind of like if you think about like a scene from a horror movie, 
It was like a 100-year-old leather factory. So I worked there, and then uh, after university, I worked for a couple of the largest companies in the world, American companies in the world, in sales and marketing. Had a really enjoyable career there, and then God uh, called me to Brisbane, called us to Brisbane, and into pastoring and also to plant a church. And so uh, it's very unique church. It's a unique organization. So for me, loving church, I want to know what makes church church. I also want to know what makes church good and what makes church healthy. So these are some things that I want to know. Um, It's all right. Please pause. We're just going to close this door. There's a lot of, there's a ballet class going on there. And uh, if I hear too much noise, I'll probably get carried away and start singing, perhaps dancing. That is a joke. There it is. Thank you. So, I'm really interested in those things. What makes church church? What makes it good and what makes it healthy? During my time, I've seen people walk away from church and these are three reasons. I think three of the main reasons that people walk away from church. The first one is this, and I believe a big one. People don't treat each other well. Okay? There's a couple of things to that. Sometimes it's a lack of relationship. Sometimes it's relational conflict, disrespected. Sometimes it's personally or their friends. Sometimes, uh, and unfortunately in the history, people of church people are actually treated terribly, horrifically. And we've heard about that. That's the first reason. The second reason is people think that they are not having an impact. Either the church as a whole are not having an impact or they themselves are not able to share uh, their gifts. And they. if you think you're not having an impact, sometimes you go, well, what's the point? If I'm not having an impact, why am I wasting my time? And the third thing is people don't like what they're becoming. And this is a real sad one, but some people... Uh, In church, they sometimes think, well, I'm working really hard, I'm serving, I'm doing a lot, but I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually. Or other people uh, sometimes see the atmosphere, culture of that local church as being unhealthy. Other people think that the costs of following Jesus are too much. You're asking too much. You're asking me to give up too much. But I believe that healthy church and good church is worth it. So we're going to take a couple of minutes to talk about what makes church unique, good, and healthy. And a great question is, what did Jesus have in mind when he created this idea of church? He is the founder and CEO of church, Jesus. And one thing that we understand about church is that church is spiritual And eternal. It's not just another organization. So, in the Bible, the book of uh, Matthew, one of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 16, here's the story. Jesus is on tour with his disciples. He's got a group of guys that he's traveling with, and he's in this place called Caesarea Philippi. And most likely, he's standing in front of uh, this place in Caesarea Philippi 
which is called the Grotto of Pan, also known as the Gate of Hades. So this place is a centre, historically recorded as a centre for pagan worship. At this site, it's recorded that people used to sacrifice uh, babies in pagan worship. And this cave was so deep and so dark down, it was called the Gate of Hades. People said this is the doorway to the underworld. So this is most likely where Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples. And he said to this group of uh, people that was with him, he said, Who do people say that I am? And one of the guys, Simon Peter, he responded and he said, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. He says, And I tell you that you are Peter. He changed his name. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will overcome it. Will not. Thank you. What an attentive audience. Could have been stoned for heresy. So it's here that we find a definition of church. We understand of what it means to be church. Now we understand that what Jesus is talking about is so powerful that no other spiritual force will be able to overcome it. He's standing there at the gate of Hades where there's uh, pagan worship. And he's saying nothing will be able to overcome it. But what's interesting is the word that Jesus uses is ecclesia or ecclesia. And this word that he uses for church actually means a relational gathering. So that is what he had in mind. So church is a Jesus-centered relational gathering. It's a place that's built on a revelation of Jesus, that he's not just another guy, he's not just a moral teacher, but he is the son of the living God. And when you see Jesus as God, it changes the way that you think about things. It's based on that revelation. But it's also a place of relationship. So revelation and relationship. And so what makes church unique is this. It's based on a revelation of who Jesus is and it's based on our relationship with each other. But what is the difference and what makes it unique? The difference is this. Jesus says this. A new command I give you. He's talking to his disciples again. Love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So if we want to understand the purpose of the church and the function of the church, we need to understand that it's based on a revelation of Jesus, that it's relational, and that the difference and what makes it unique is the love that we have for each other. Now, I want you to reflect on your experiences of church, good, bad, or indifferent. Would you say that your experience of the church is based on love? When you walk into a church environment, do you feel love? Do you feel a sense of belonging? 
when you interact with people who are Christians and followers of Jesus, definitely not perfect, but do you get a sense that there is a genuine love for God and for each other? That's not always our experience, and that's not always my experience of myself, but this is the target. This is what Jesus has called us to, and I think it's exciting. Do you know the world doesn't just need you to be the best version of yourself? This is my opinion. The world needs you to be the most loving version of yourself. That doesn't mean that you're a pushover. That doesn't mean that you're just a nice person, but it means that you carry a deep concern and value for every human being that you interact with. Personally, I think that is one of the most powerful concepts in the world. So we're talking about love. Now, the thing is, love means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Today is Valentine's Day. It's a day where we talk about romantic love. But here, over the next couple of weeks in this church, we're going to start to define what it means to have loving relationships with each other in the church. Now, in the New Testament, which is uh, a, a collection of books in the Bible, historical books uh, written by real authors, it's full of detail on the church. Now, the primary definition of church in the New Testament is not about meetings or song style or length of preaching, anything like that. The primary definition of church is about relationships, is about how we treat one another. One uh, pastor put it this way, it's about one anothering one another. So there's these one another commands, which are these relational commands. They occur about a hundred times in 94 New Testament verses. A third are about unity, a third are about love, 15% are about humility, and there are lots, lots more instructions. So if we understand that the purpose of the church is primary, primarily about relationships that are Jesus-centered, we need to, I believe, as a church, if we're going to go into a good and healthy church, we need to go a little bit deeper in understanding what Jesus has called us to do. And I want to Focus probably just for a couple more minutes on this passage, a passage from Colossians, Paul's letter to a, a place, the Apostle Paul, and uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It's talking about the function of the church, a good and healthy church. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, church, a group of people that are set apart, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Now, that is difficult. We've got to make allowance for each other's faults, meaning we need to tolerate failure. We need to be in a place where I have an expectation, not on purpose, but I have an expectation that not everyone in our church is going to have the best day, not just because they're a bad person, but because they've got all kinds of pressure, all kinds of things from their past, and I'm going to have to make an allowance 
that sometimes they're going to disappoint me and I'm going to ask you to make an allowance that sometimes I'm going to disappoint you and then we're going to forgive each other. This is a definition of a church. So our expectation is not that we're always going to treat each other well because that's impossible. My most loving relationship is with my wife. And one thing that I'm good at is saying sorry. And she's nodding. She shouldn't have been nodding at that part. I forgive you. See, she said sorry. We've got to understand. It says, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Here's something that we need to know. Church cannot exist without the giving and receiving of forgiveness. Because that's how we're going to get along. It says, above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds each other in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. Who would love to live in peace? I would love to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, I don't know all of you. I don't know your story. I don't know your history. But I hope that you would agree that this picture, whether or not you talk about it in the context of church, but in the context of relationship, this is a wonderful picture that your relationships are places of peace, places of forgiveness. You love one another. That if Reggie annoys me, he doesn't smile at me. He's got the best smile. And he ignores me. That I go, Reggie, why are you ignoring me? He's like, no, I wasn't ignoring you. That we kind of reconcile. So we have a place of forgiveness. So being the difference, showing love. There's a couple of things that come out from this passage the first one is that we're called to be merciful. When the Oxford Dictionary was originally trans, uh, uh, created, one of the original uh, translators or creators of the dictionary, I don't know what you call it, was a, an archbishop. And when he was defining this word merciful, what he understood it represented was, who knows sometimes, and you probably didn't think I was going to talk about this, sometimes when you get a cheap wine... And it's got that really kind of nasty edge on it. All right? So when they were translating this passage, merciful, the word picture was wine that had the effect without the edge. Something that was uh, potent but didn't have that edge on it. There's other words, kind and humble and gentle and patient. To tolerate failure. To forgive. Peace from Jesus, to be thankful, to teach and counsel, to sing together and to represent Jesus. This is what it means for church to be church and church to be good. Now, I want to draw your attention to this phrase that the Apostle Paul uses. And he uses the example of clothing and he says this, You must clothe yourself. You must close yourself. Next, next slide. You must clothe yourself. He's talking about all these characteristics and he says, 
You must clothe yourself with them. Now, my wife and I have three kids. My oldest daughter uh, singing up here, Miranda, she's 11, okay? Natural-born princess, all right, in terms of fashion, uh, loves fashion, has just started. Uh, I could get a witness up there from a, a young lady up the back as well. Uh, loves fashion, has started uh, sewing and creating her own clothes as well, so has a great eye for detail. My middle son, Joe, he's uh, eight years old, and last year he went through a phase where he would only wear soft clothes. Okay, so if there were shorts and they weren't soft, he would only wear soft clothes. He hasn't worn uh, long pants in about a year, and he just wants to be comfortable so that he can run around. My youngest son is just starting to dress himself. Okay, so if you can imagine um, pattern clash, different colours, so uh, kind of colours that kind of are close but clash with each other, stripes and kind of checks and then different Spider-Man socks, so reds and then blues and then greys and greens. And so he's, dec he's decided that he wants to dress himself. Now... Here's what happens. In certain occasions, he comes out, like this morning, and say to him, hey, mate, we need you to change, and we need you to wear the clothes that we have picked out for you. This is what I believe that Paul is saying to us in what we're choosing to clothe ourselves He's saying to us, if you're going to be the difference, if you're going to show love to people, you need to wear the clothes that I picked out to you. He says, above all else, put on love. You know, sometimes, some Christians, we have a superhero mentality to our clothing. What does that mean? It means that we're like Clark Kent. So underneath, we've got our superhero clothes. But I'm only going to put those on in times of crisis. Every time else, I'm just going to dress in the culture or the way of the day. But what God invites us to do and what the Apostle Paul is saying, we need to wear the clothes that God has put out for us. What does this mean? We need to make a conscious decision that every day that we get out, in every moment, that instead of just going through life, we're going to put on love. We're going to put on peace. We're going to put on kindness. Who thinks that that is a good thing? Who works in an industry where things like this are at, there's a, 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 they are not present? I worked for, for 10 years in sales and marketing. There were certain environments where these kind of traits or characteristics were not normal. But what God is inviting us to do is to make that decision to put on love. In your relationships, we've been praying for the husbands and wives of these babies. I want to encourage you guys to make that decision to put on kindness, to put on love. Not to just leave those things in crisis, but to learn to live every day with love and kindness and peace and compassion. We need to wear the wardrobe that God has picked out for us.
What if we decided to do this for those that call City Lights your home? What if as a church, not just in these four walls, although that's really important, and not just in the groups that we have, what if we were known for our love? As I said, this is not just being about being a pushover. I know that so many people in this room are in challenging industries or in places of high stress. Jesus was, I believe, the toughest person that ever lived. He was crucified to death and he didn't give up. He could have. It's not about being a pushover. It's not just about being a nice person. It's about even in the most difficult situation valuing the other person, honouring them. Even if you have to make a difficult decision, even if you have to have a difficult conversation with a, a staff member or somebody or a customer or a client, there's something that you can still be kind, you can still have peace, the words of your mouth can still be gracious. And this is what it means to be the difference. What if we did this? What if we lived this? What if we chose not to just live like the superhero where we've got, you know, we've got these things but we only bring them out in times of crisis but we live and we choose each and every day to put on the clothes that God has laid out for you. Some of you might say, well, I've been hurt before. I've tried this, it hasn't worked. People in church have hurt me and I would say that would be absolutely true because that's going to happen. But what I would also say is that God invites us into healing to learn to live in forgiveness. And that is so freeing. Some of you might say you've tried and failed. And I would say so have I. And so has everyone. But maybe today Jesus is calling you to put on forgiveness to put on tolerance. Maybe for some of you, you don't have tolerance for failure for yourself. You self-reject every time you make a mistake or you don't make allowances for one another. And that is a really, really powerful thing. We're going to pray together and then we're going to finish up. We're going to have some food and celebrate a little bit more of these babies. So why don't you uh, bow your heads and close your eyes just in this moment. I want to encourage you, wear the clothes that God has put out for you. Forgiveness, grace, love, peace. Which one of those is speaking to you right now? Kindness. Thankfulness. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And God, we say our vision as a church is to represent you by doing relationships incredibly well, by living in this place of love, by owning our mistakes. And Lord, right now I pray for anyone who may have been hurt and may have walked away from church in the past. Lord, I pray for your healing uh, power just to minister to them right now in this moment. Each and every week, we give an invitation to people to take a first step in following Jesus. And uh, we would love to do that now. Uh, everyone's eyes are bowed and, and he so heads are bowed and eyes are closed. 
And to follow Jesus means to believe that he is God and start the journey of trusting him. You don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to know everything that's involved. It's not a list of rules, but it's learning how to have relationship with God and with others. So if you'd like to respond, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to include yourself in this, um, you can lift up your hand and uh, I would love to pray with you. Is there anyone that would love to uh, take this first step to follow Jesus today? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else that wants to do that? Awesome. Lord, we thank you uh, for the, the privilege it is to see you as God and to understand that your power is real and your presence is real. And so, Lord, I thank you uh, for these people that have responded. And I pray uh, that you would just uh, fill their hearts with love and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you responded to that invitation, uh, we'd love to invite you to come back next week uh, to download a, a Bible app and uh, also to, uh, to let somebody help you there. I don't know if we've got a slide that's coming up there, and we'll leave that up there as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for celebrating our baby dedications. We're here next week. And what's going to happen is our team is going to bring some uh, morning tea around. So stay where we are. We've got some special chocolates, and a whole heap of people did some baking today. So uh, celebrate and thank you, and have a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.